Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. In keeping with our current studies on the Jewish holidays, their origins, what they mean, and the types and shadows of what they represent to Christian believers, we're going to look today at one of the minor holidays, Hanukkah. The Jewish culture has different categories of holidays. The original holy days given by God to Moses in the book of Leviticus are considered major holy days or holidays. They are commandments and they are mandates to be kept for all generations. They are very specific in the way that they are to be observed because that they were both types and shadows of the coming Christ and they were designed for a remembrance of things that had come. It was a way for the Jewish people to be reminded year after year of the main elements of their faith. Things like Judgment Day, salvation from the bondage of Egypt, the coming Messiah, which for us was manifested in the birth of Jesus. But then there are what they call minor holy days. And these are days of remembrance. An example of this would be the yearly holiday that is set to commemorate the Jews' deliverance from the story of Esther. When Haman was hanged on the gallows that he built for Mordecai, God did not specifically mandate a memorial or a remembrance of this, but the Jews do yearly celebrate it because they want to remember this deliverance, this miracle that God did on their behalf that he fought for them. So then we see that these minor holidays are really more traditions, but they're not bad traditions. We understand that Jesus did rebuke the Pharisees for some of their traditions, but specifically he said the traditions of men that have been created to put weights and burdens on God's children that God never intended for them to have to bear. It was the true definition of legalism. It was things that people were doing to please men so that they would not be looked down or frowned upon not to please God because God never commanded them to bear these weights and burdens. And it was also causing them to stand in opposition to the commandments of God, things that God had told the people to do, but they could not walk in obedience to because that they were being made to keep these traditions that were in opposition to them. So when we create traditions that stand in opposition to the word and will of God, then it becomes sin. And this is what Jesus was speaking against. But traditions in general are not bad. For example, in our church, we have a tradition that every year we have a back to school youth rally right before the children go back to school for the summer. We have a big youth service. The youth in our church, they preach, they do worship, they sing, they pray over their friends, they invite all of their peers and their family that are about to go back to school and they pray over them for safety, for blessing and for protection before they go into the school year. They have a big youth service and then we have food and fellowship and usually some sort of outside sport or activity for them to have a good time before they go back into the school year. This is a tradition and there's nothing wrong with it. Now, if God were to specifically tell me to do something else and I disobeyed him in order to keep my tradition, then it would become sin to me because that it is rebellion or disobedience. But a tradition in and of itself is not wrong. And Hanukkah is a great example of that. It's not a commandment. It's not clearly laid out in scripture that it should be observed. It is actually a 
tradition, but it's a good one. There's nothing wrong with it. It is sound. It stands in agreement with biblical principles. They are simply set to help people to remember and celebrate the miraculous things that God has done for them and to give him thanks for it. And I personally think God truly appreciates this. It's no different than some Christians choosing to set aside a time to remember the birth of Jesus and calling it Christmas, a time of remembrance and thanksgiving. So having said that, we need to clear something up because many people will tell you that Hanukkah is the Jewish Christmas. It is not. Christmas, though its origins were not Christian, many Christians chose to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of a very dark season to change the atmosphere of it, of which we are now losing ground because it is becoming so commercialized. Yet we understand that the general premise of most of our recent history has been to recognize the birth of Jesus, to remember this miraculous thing that God did for us, to tell others of it and to give him thanks for it. Hanukkah, on the other hand, literally means dedication and is sometimes called the Feast of Dedication. It comes from the dedicating of the temple in 165 AD when a small number of Jews led by Judah Maccabee reclaimed the temple after years of being defiled by enemy occupation. It celebrates God giving his people victory over their enemy and placing his holy fire within the temple again. You see, at this time, the enemies of Israel had occupied for many, many years. They had taken over the temple. They had defiled it. They had destroyed it. They had corrupted everything within the temple, looted it. And whenever Judah and his small band of Jewish warriors came and miraculously, with God's help and intervention, reclaimed the temple, they cleaned it out. And they began to try to set it up to be dedicated for service again. They found a menorah. A menorah is a general term for a candelabra, a lampstand. In the Jewish temple, there was always a seven-branched lampstand representing the seven spirits of God with a flame on it and the oil in it, which represented the Holy Spirit and the anointing. And so they set up a golden menorah in the temple again. And when they began to look, everything had been defiled, but they found one small vial of oil in the temple and so they lit the menorah it was only enough oil to stay lit for one night but miraculously God caused that one vial of oil to burn for eight days and nights giving them enough time to make new oil so that they could keep the flame burning I see a type of Christ in this one vial of anointing oil that was left undefiled because you see the word Christ literally means the anointed one and in the time of Christ, it is recorded that all had gone astray. There was none righteous, not even one, until God sent this man, Jesus, the only one who was undefiled among us, the one who would then light the flame within each of us and keep it burning throughout the 8,000 years of the dispensations of this earth, represented by the eight days of Sukkot, which according to some was also taking place during these eight days that the oil stayed lit and burning because that Sukkot had been delayed because of the Maccabee rebellion. And so the miracle that took place of the oil in this dedication that through this eight days, God miraculously caused the oil to continue to flow. 
And so Hanukkah or dedication is continued to be observed to remember God's mighty miraculous deliverance. It celebrates God giving his people victory over their enemy and placing his holy fire within the temple. As a Christian, we can see this as a shadow and a type of Jesus, accompanied by a small number of his Jewish disciples, coming to reclaim the true temple of our bodies from the enemy after years of enemy occupation. For me, I see a prophetic proclamation worthy to be remembered and celebrated of God giving his people victory over the enemy and placing his holy fire in them, the new temple, after the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I love that the fire was relit and the oil began to flow miraculously after that the temple had been cleansed because we see this typology throughout the ministry of Jesus whenever first came John the Baptist preaching repentance, repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and they were baptized for the remission of their sins, the cleansing of the temple. And of course that in and of itself was only a type and shadow of us being cleansed by the very blood of Jesus, baptized in him so that the fire of God, his Holy Spirit could come and dwell within us, a cleansed temple and his oil, the anointing could continue to miraculously flow through us to the end of the eight days, which ties back to the eight days of Sukkot, a typology of all the dispensations of the world until the end. God's holy fire will never be extinguished by any man or opposition. He will do what is needed to keep the oil flowing. No matter what the adversary does to defile it or extinguish it, there will always be a remnant. So in remembrance of this eight days of the oil burning, today during Hanukkah, Jews all over the world light an eight-candled menorah. Now the menorah that burns in the temple, understand, is a seven-flamed menorah three on each side and then one main one down the middle. And you can find these flames being identified in scripture by the ancient prophets as the very spirits of God that are also mentioned in the book of Revelation. But on Hanukkah, there is a different candelabra lit, one that has eight branches, four on each side and one main one in the middle, which is a ninth one. The ninth one is called the helper candle, which holds the first flame. It is this candle which the fire is spread from a little further each night. The first night lighting one, the second night lighting two, the third night lighting three, all the way through until the eighth night. Every fire being started by the original helper candle. In Hebrews 13 verse 5 we read, Let our conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I love this because in this verse, I truly see the heart and meaning of Hanukkah. The Lord is my helper, that original flame that the fire is spreading out from, and I will not fear what men shall do to me. There was nothing that the enemy could do to stop the light of God from coming forth in the midst of that darkness. God was their helper. He brought them an impossible victory and caused his fire to burn again for all to see. Sometimes this middle candle is also called the servant candle. 
And I love this because it reminds me that Jesus also said that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the servant of them all. He said that those who will be your ministers, Jesus is our greatest minister, but the word minister literally means servant. He said that among the Gentiles, those that rule over them execute authority and and they lord over them and they look at the others underneath them as serves. He said, but not so with my disciples, but the minister will be a servant to the masses. And he gave us his example of that even moments before the process began to bring him to the crucifixion. He was washing the feet of his own followers. This is our Jesus, our servant, King, the middle candle, the one that lights all the rest ablaze is called the servant. Jesus was a servant to us all by his own choosing. And in doing so, He brought that flame of the Holy Spirit and ignited it in the heart of his followers who then became like him a servant or a minister unto others to help to spread that fire outwards evermore, every day spreading it a little further, just like the fires of the Hanukkah menorah. I love it in Luke chapter 24 verse 32. This was after Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. And he's come back and he's walking along the street with these men who do not recognize him. And he's talking with them about the scriptures and the things that have happened concerning his crucifixion. And then he reveals himself to them finally when he breaks bread with them and they recognize him. And then he vanishes. And this is what they say about him. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures. I love that, that burning, that igniting of their spirit on fire. They came alive as he expounded upon the scriptures and brought revelation to them. He broke bread in the physical, but he fed them in the spiritual. And of course, we could not read it any clearer than we see it in John chapter 1 verse 9 when it says that Jesus was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So we understand that the traditional Jew does not see Hanukkah this way. They see it as a commemoration of the dedication of the physical temple. But for the Christian who is seeking to understand the Jewish roots of which they have been engrafted into, we can observe it too. Only we're thanking him for lighting the flame in a different temple, in me and you. And Hanukkah is very unique among the Jewish holidays because that both Christians and Jews often celebrate it together, mostly because it coincides so closely with Christmas and holds many of the same practices and traditions, though the miracles being celebrated among them are very different. Yet in it, as with all Jewish holidays, we can see the types and shadows of Jesus. It's the light of God sent miraculously into the world, shining in the darkness, bringing hope, and the fire of the Holy Spirit refilling God's chosen temple. John chapter 1 verse 4 through 5 says, In Jesus was life, and in the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You see, Hanukkah is also often known as the festival of lights. The ways that Hanukkah are celebrated are by gathering every night for eight days with friends and family and lighting the candles or the oil lamps of the menorah 
and displaying the light. Originally, these menorahs were left outside because it was a declaration and a proclamation of the miracles that God had done so that people would ask them and they would have opportunity to talk about these miraculous events. Nowadays, most people do it and display it in their homes, usually in the window, but the point is so that others can see it, so that God can get glory for the things that he has achieved on behalf of his people. To know that he overcomes his enemy, he brings light in the darkness. For these eight days, every night after they light a new candle, a gift is given. So it is a new gift every day for eight days. It is celebrated by eating lots of good food, particularly oily foods like potato fritters or jelly-filled donuts, anything fried in oil to help them to remember this oil that God miraculously caused to flow. They play games. They read scriptures. They recite prayers and blessings. And they give charity to the poor. And in this we can see the similarities to the traditions of Christmas that caused both Jews and Christians often to celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas in unison and to sometimes even consider Hanukkah the Jewish Christmas. It's because they share many of the same traditions but not the same origins. Now remembering that God did not originally institute Hanukkah. This was a man-instituted tradition though most likely by inspiration. In the book of Leviticus, the holy days that God himself instituted were all commandments to be observed. And to this day, people are not allowed to work or go to school on those days. They must observe them. Hanukkah is not so mandatory, so people are allowed to go to school or to work or to shop or to do any of these number of things on Hanukkah. But it is typically observed in some form or fashion by all Jews, including Jesus. In the book of John, in chapter 10, verse 22, we see that it says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication. Remember, the word Hanukkah means dedication. This is the feast of Hanukkah. And it was winter. This is the winter feast. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And so we see that in this account, Jesus was at the temple observing the Feast of Dedications. So he had no opposition to it, though it was a tradition. It is something that he seemed to have participated in. And if it's good enough for him, it should be good enough for any Christian who wants to participate in it as well. As long as we understand the spiritual parallels to the things that Christ has done to bring us light in the darkness. And it's celebrated in the winter months close to Christmas, which falls on the winter solstice, the shortest or darkest day of the year. Now, Jewish holy days follow a lunar calendar, whereas most of the world follows a Gregorian calendar, which goes by the sun, but the lunar calendar causes the dates to shift and change anywhere within a few weeks range. So again, I want to clarify that Hanukkah is not the Jewish Christmas but I give you the reasons why it is often thought to be so because of how much it coincides with it. It is an eight-day celebration and praise and thanksgiving of friendship and family and fellowship and giving of gifts to commemorate the light that came into the darkness. And it is commemorated in the midst of literally, physically, the darkest season of the year. It brings joy, love, peace, hope, kindness, happiness, and charity into a season that otherwise is very dreary. It's called the Festival of Lights. These lights being put in the window to publicly proclaim the miracle that God had did on their behalf to deliver them. 
And for the persecuted Jews through history, this became a very dangerous and courageous act, yet they still did it. I've seen a very beautiful and famous picture of a menorah in a window facing a Nazi headquarters from the World War II era placed by the wife of a Jewish rabbi who was quoted as saying, our light will outlast their flag. And my friend, it did because God time and time and time again has moved miraculously to deliver his children. And this is what Hanukkah is meant to remind them. And as Christians, it is something good for us to remember as well because he's done it before and he will do it again. His light will always shine in the darkness. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.